0: My jungle will lure you in with paths that are deceptively apparent and secrets that will never be uncovered. Silver starlight may show you the way, shape shifting shadows will lead you astray. So open your eyes, I will show you a world etched deep in my mind. Only the greatest explorers of the unknown, those who are willing to lose themselves, can unravel the enigma. For the essence of the jungle, lies not in being found but in getting lost welcome to thorn's jungle how's it going everyone welcome back to another episode of thorn's jungle hope everyone had a wicked holiday season uh Christmas new year's um yeah it was bloody hectic here I' was just You know, everyone's birthday seems to be in a December in our family. Then we have like two Christmases. Um, So yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Ate a lot of food, drank a lot of booze, saw the family. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, it's, it's weird because everything's so hectic for like a week or two. It's like events every day uh stuff to do and then all of a sudden bang as soon as new year's hits it's like dead so you kind of get that like i guess i don't know it's like a shock to the system you know when you come back from holidays and you're doing something every day seeing new things and then you get home and the holiday's over and it's like oh everything's just back to normal (laughs) it's like that weird transition uh but no it's good i can uh prepare for Africa now. It'll be two weeks today and I'll be in Africa. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be bloody awesome. Uh, This episode is another panthoot podcast. So as you may or may not know, every now and then I'll drop a panthoot podcast episode, which means it's going to be about primates. And today's episode is on one of my favorite primates, if not one of my favorite animals, and that is the orangutan. They are awesome, and they're actually the only great ape I've seen in the wild, which I hope to change some at some point soon. I definitely want to see uh, gorillas, chimpanzees, and bonobos in the wild at some point, and I'll absolutely do that uh, in the near future, hopefully, but... I am definitely satisfied and proud to say I have seen a wild orangutan and it was one of the top five, if not top three animal highlights of my life. It was just a magic moment. There's no other way to describe it. It was absolutely magical. My brother and I were in Borneo, in uh, Malaysian Borneo, which is like uh, Sabah, we were over on the east side of the island in Sandakan, and we were doing a documentary on the bear cat also known as the Binturong and they're the largest member of the civet family and they do look like a bear slash cat slash otter slash a whole bunch of animals sort of crammed into one they're really cool animals but it was a bit ambitious of me to uh, go to Borneo looking for one because they are just super elusive So we didn't actually find one. We had to go to a wildlife park and make do with uh, filming their one. But as we were out in the jungle one day, uh, we hear this sort of crashing in the trees. And bear cats are arboreal. They live in trees a lot of the time. But hearing this crashing, I knew that this was too big to be a bear cat. And the only other thing of that size could be an orangutan. And we followed the crashing noises and there it was a juvenile male orangutan just hanging around moving through the trees it would have been maybe seven or eight years old so it was just kind of i guess straying from the mother we couldn't see the mother anywhere but orangutans will stay with their mum, uh you know up to six eight years and then they sort of start Moving further and further away from her so that's probably what was happening he was kind of venturing off by himself and you know I walked up to him and he sort of came down to check me out he reached his hand out I reached my hand out to him and he was sort of like eh, not really interested and just sort of kept on moving and it was just an unbelievable moment there was the last thing I expected to see even though Borneo is one of only two places you can see orangutans in the wild it was like you just don't expect to see that I mean even though you know they're potentially there in the area we weren't looking for orangutans so it was one of the most pleasant surprises you could ever have and it's just a weird feeling seeing an animal that is very close to you like in terms of uh, evolutionary and, I mean, just anatomically, they are so similar to us. Um, it's like coming across another person in the forest, this person that has, you know, uh, 15 to 20 million years of different evolution, uh, but still so close. I mean, orangutans, they say, are about as smart as a five or six year old child. And. They're just everything about them. You look at the way they look at you, and you're looking at them the way it's looking at you, with that sense of uh, curiosity and wonder. Um, and they are seeing the world through very similar eyes as you're seeing the world. It's absolutely amazing, and uh, that was the Bornean orangutan that that we saw. And I think there's a few subspecies of orangutan in Borneo. There's like the the black orangutan, they call it. Um, I think that that's found a bit further south in the Indonesian part, uh, Kalimantan. Um, I think it is, from memory, or it might be. It might be the one that we saw. Anyway, there's two or three different subspecies, but we're not going to get into subspecies. We're going to just get into the three uh, species of orangutan. So. We saw the Bornean orangutan, which is Pongo pygmaeus. And uh, over on Sumatra, they have two species. They have the Sumatran orangutan, which is uh, Pongo Abellii, And then you have the recently described Tapanuli orangutan, uh, Pongo tapanuliensis. But all of them are endangered. All, right, all of them are at threat from human habitation and uh, deforestation with palm oil. And you, you, you wouldn't be aware of it. I mean, just flying over any of these Southeast Asian countries, you can just see the endless, vast palm oil plantations. It's actually mind-blowing. Uh, and that was all once orangutan habitat. And when orangutans come onto these plantations, a lot of the times they're killed because they, um, you know, eat Crops. See, what the farmers are trying to grow, especially like the rubber plantations, when the uh, orangutans get in there and drink out of the uh, taps that are put on the side of the trees, uh, they are unfortunately killed. Sometimes the mothers are killed and the babies are taken and then sold as pets. It's it's horrible. Uh, especially you know that this animal is basically a person. You know, pretty much a person. Um, but orangutans are the largest arboreal animal in the world the heaviest bodied animal that lives in trees and just look just looking at the anatomy of an orangutan it is built to be arboreal it has these enormous hands it has a huge arm span like a four four and a half foot orangutan can have like an eight foot wingspan you know it is insane And if you look at their hands, they have gigantic fingers, but their thumbs are tiny. Uh, It it looks very unproportionate, but there's a reason to that. Because when you have huge hands that can hook around branches, hook around uh, tree uh, trunks, things like that, the thumb actually gets in the way because you're not gonna be able to wrap that thumb around like you can the other fingers it just kind of gets in the way. So the thumb is atrophied so the hands can just freely be used as hooks without a thumb getting in the way. And when they're like brachiating, which means swinging through the trees, uh, which is especially um, common in gibbons and uh, things like that, the thumb gets in the way if you're trying to launch yourself and grab onto branches. So they have tiny little thumbs compared to the rest of their fingers is actually quite bizarre to see but it is perfectly evolved to living in trees and Bornean orangutans are actually found way more on the forest floor than the Sumatran species of orangutan and there's a reason to that large orangutans like the big males can weigh you know over 100 kilograms they are enormous they're the second largest ape in the world after gorillas and moving through trees for an animal that size can be a little, uh, a little difficult, <laughs> right? Imagine a, a hundred kilo animal, you know, crossing from tree to tree. It's pretty, pretty difficult, no matter how well adapted and evolved you are to being arboreal. So, what Bornean orangutans would do? They will go to the forest floor and walk from tree to tree and then climb back up the tree. It's a lot easier. But you can't really do that in Sumatra. I mean, they do, but nowhere near as much as the Bornean orangutans. And it's because Sumatra has tigers. They have Sumatran tigers there that will absolutely predate on an orangutan. So the Sumatran orangutans are a lot more arboreal than Bornean orangutans. There are no tigers on Borneo. I think the largest... Uh, sort of land predator would be you've got clouded leopards and large reticulated pythons but reticulated pythons can climb trees anyway so you're not really going to avoid them um i guess like the massive six meter reticulated pythons will have a little bit more difficulty getting up a tree especially fast enough to grab an orangutan uh but they don't have these massive mammal ambush predators like they do in sumatra and orangutans uh, are different to the other great apes, because they're mainly solitary. So they spend the majority of their life just by themselves, uh, especially like your big uh, sexually mature males. And at about the age of 12, 13, uh, the male orangutan will form these uh, fat cheek pads. They're called flanges. And I mean, you can spot them a mile away. They're they're like big plate faces. And not all of them will develop these, only the real uh, sort of big, dominant, sexually mature ones. And it's interesting because they've actually done testosterone uh, tests in orangutans in the males, and they found that the big male orangutans with the big flanges, the big plate faces, when they do their long calls, so they do this call that can be heard from a great distance away, and that basically will tell other male orangutans, all right, this is my territory, I'm here, so don't come near me, and also signal to females that there's a male in the area as well. But with the uh, males that hear these long calls from these big sexually mature males, it actually reduces their testosterone in the in the other males that are hearing the more mature sexual sexually mature male doing the calls it's almost like these long calls are like scaring the manliness out of <laughs> any other male orangutans that hear those calls it's actually uh, pretty interesting uh but that will ensure that that younger male doesn't uh intrude on the more sexually mature males uh territory and there will be fights when two males come in contact with each other they can fight and they can get pretty uh, injured doing so uh, but other than that they rarely fight because they do call out and establish their territory before that happens and also there's not much competition for food with orangutans because uh they eat both fruit and uh, sort of fresh young leaves like new leaves that have grown so luckily in Borneo and Sumatra there are plenty of leaves um, so if there was maybe one fruiting tree they you can get maybe a couple of orangutans seen together eating from the fruiting tree but they won't really fight because there's plenty of fruit to go around and also they're not going to fight over food for leaves because there's leaves everywhere it's mainly a territorial thing where you will see fights um, with gorillas and chimpanzees. They fight quite a lot to both assert their hierarchy and dominance, uh, and also for territory. But they live in a in large groups, especially chimpanzees. So fighting you see a lot more of rather than the solitary orangutans. And like I said before, you'll often see the female and an infant uh, up until the age of. 8 years old um, sometimes even 10 that infant will be hanging around the mum and then they'll slowly sort of disperse away from each other but that makes orangutans far more uh, threatened by from extinction because they have babies so uh, irregularly um, if you've got like I mean there's it's there's pros and cons to that okay If you have one baby that you put a lot of care into uh, and you, you know, you kind of don't have them until maybe every three or four years like orangutans do, um, they'll still have like the infant hanging around up until like eight. Um, So what happens is if you put a lot of care, a lot of effort, a lot of time into that one baby, the success rate for the survival of that baby goes up a lot okay because it's getting so much nurture and because that mum only has one baby she's going to protect that baby with everything she has if you have an animal that gives birth to lots of babies they don't put as much care into them i mean a lot of times as soon as they have the babies the babies are off doing their own thing uh, unless it's like you know a tiger a lion big cats things like that um so with the the Cons to having a lot of babies is you cannot put in as much care into each individual baby. But you've got a lot of them. So if one, two, three of them were to die, you've still got other ones that can, uh, you know, breed on, breed on your genetics, your genes, and survive. If you have one baby, yes, you put in a lot of care to it. You've raised it really well. But if something does happen to that one baby, that's it that's that investment gone so there are pros and cons uh, to having multiple babies or one baby okay and obviously the father isn't there to help out either he will have a territory that has females in it and that's pretty much the only time he'll see another orangutan is if he's defending his territory against another male or he's uh, mating with a female and you know he can bug the shit out of that female he'll follow around and Mate with her, you know, many times. Um, But yeah, so that's, I think, why I love orangutans so much is because they are so different to the other apes. And they're the only other great ape, apart from humans, that live outside of Africa. And during the Pleistocene, which was about 10,000 years ago, towards the end of the last Ice Age, we had orangutans on Java. There were orangutans on mainland China, um, in Cambodia, Vietnam. So orangutans were actually quite widely distributed uh, on planet Earth. Oh. But during, you know, when the Ice Age ended and the Greater Sunderlands sort of separate into their own islands, uh, Borneo and Sumatra were once connected. That's why we have... Uh, Tapia on... And, like, it was connected to mainland Malaysia as well. Um, that's why we have... So, mainland Malaysia was connected to Sumatra. And Borneo, I don't believe, was connected. That was connected to somewhere else, which is why uh, we have, like, Malaysian Tapia on Sumatra as well as on Peninsula Malaysia. But Borneo was connected somewhere else, which I think is why the genetic divergence between the orangutans are so different, which is why they're different species. Um, but yeah, I might have to double check that. But anyhow, originally they were all classified as Bornean orangutans, and then they did genetic analysis on the Sumatran orangutan and found out it's a completely different species, and in fact, the Sumatran orangutan was one of like, I think... After chimpanzees and humans, the orangutan was the third one to have this genome completely mapped, which is pretty cool. Uh, And then we get to the Tapanuli orangutan. So orangutans are found in northern Sumatra, right, the Sumatran orangutans. And then there's a lake called Lake Toba. I think it's the largest lake in Southeast Asia. And for years, I think the 1920s, there were reports of orangutans south of Lake Toba. And they knew they were there. And after looking around for a long time, eventually in the 90s, they, uh, they found them. 97, an expedition found uh, these orangutans again. Actually, we'll go back because now I've got the date. So 1939... Orangutans were reported south of Lake Toba. And then they did an expedition in 97 and found a population of orangutans there. But they just thought they were uh, Pongoabellii, the Sumatran orangutan. But then they did phylogen- uh, phylogenetic study in 2017 and analyzed genetic samples from uh, 30 or 40 wild orangutans that were part of this south uh, Lake Toba population and found out that they were genetically different to the ones north of Lake Toba so they were put into their own species which is amazing I mean they weren't a newly discovered species they knew there were orangutan there but they were a new, newly classified species so they were classified as um, Pongo tapenuliensis which is really cool Um, And they do look a bit different to um, the other Sumatran orangutans. Um, They look more like Sumatran orangutans than they do Bornean orangutans, um, but they still have differences. Uh, For example, the Tapanuli orangutan has uh, their canines on their maxilla, so on their upper jaw are larger. They have uh, more of a flatter face than the Sumatran um, orangutans as well. Uh, they tend to be a little bit more uh, paler in colour. Uh, but Sumatran orangutans are generally a lighter colour than the Bornean orangutans anyway, but the Tapanuli orangutan um, is, is a little bit more pale. Uh, so they, they are morphological differences as well and also the Tapanuli orangutans um, have really uh, obvious moustaches <laughs> right? and um, like their, their cheek pads sort of stick out a little bit more as well so yeah they've got a really a ripper of a bloody moustache on them uh, more so than the other Sumatran orangutans the eye species uh, so yeah, it's pretty cool, and I hope one day I can see the Sumatran species. When I was in Sumatra in July, uh, I was way too south to um see orangutans. I was in West Sumatra, and they're only found in the north. Um, uh, but what's interesting as well, as soon as the Tapanuli orangutan was um, split into its new species, it was instantly. The most endangered species of primate in the world. So how crazy is that? So like, it was like when it was the most recently described species, it was the most endangered species of primate. It's uh, pretty sad, you know. And um, like orangutans aren't really hunted for food, although some of the Dayak tribes in Borneo. Have or still do hunt them occasionally for food, but nowhere near as much as, for example, the bush meat trade uh, for chimpanzees in Africa. But orangutans are mainly being driven to extinction because of that habitat loss, and I think like most orangutans live outside of the national parks as well, which just makes it really hard. Um, So like, you know, they can designate a big area for orangutans and not bulldoze that area, but it doesn't really, I mean, it definitely helps. But when orangutans are living outside of that national park, then it's almost this free game. And the illegal pet trade with orangutans is still pretty high. And the, just, I mean, the fact that the mother orangutan will protect the baby so much, you cannot go up to an orangutan and take the baby. There is no chance in hell. The mother would never allow that. So they have to kill the mother to take the baby. Um, almost every time. And you know, the when primates, especially the great apes, are hand-reared by a human being, most of the time the ape will grow up with behavioral problems. Uh, because the mother teaches the babies lessons in, um, socializing, you know, play, things like that. When they don't get that, they, they don't know how to behave and they can become aggressive. Uh, you know, if you have an ape, now, same goes with chimpanzees but even more so I don't think, believe anybody has ever been killed by an orangutan both in the wild or in captivity but they've certainly been injured especially in captivity because orangutans can bite they are endlessly strong so yeah it, it's, it's not good having any ape as a pet because they are stronger than human beings once they reach teenagers they don't want to be in captivity anymore they want to do their own thing and it doesn't end well. And you have a animal that is highly intelligent. Um, it's one of the most intelligent animals in the world. It's very difficult to establish intelligence when it comes to animals, because most of the tests that humans do for intelligence in animals are based on human intelligence. Okay, so they give them, a, you know, a thing where. There's holes that are different shapes, and put them in. Put these shapes in the holes. That, that's that's a human intelligence thing. It's very, like, it's it's a bit stupid. And uh Franz De a uh, ethnologist and primatologist, he he wrote a book called "Are We Smart Enough to Know How Smart Animals Are?" or or something like that. Um, and it's a really good book because it it does show that. You know. We to test an animal's intelligence under our guidelines and our rules is very it's very asinine, and it doesn't really show much. I mean, can you you not put a human being out in the jungle and go? Okay, know which leaves are edible and which ones aren't. Know how to make the right tool to get termites out of this hole. ...or to collect this honey without being stung. You couldn't get a six-year-old child and go... ...okay, how would you get the honey from this uh, beehive... ...using a stick and without getting stung? They wouldn't. That doesn't mean that uh, an orangutan is smarter than a six-year-old child. I mean, uh, although tests, human tests, show that they are pretty similar... Um, but yeah, even a human adult you couldn't chuck out in the wild and go show me a leaf that you can eat that won't make you sick and is digestible and 99% of humans won't be able to do that so that is uh, putting a human test under ape conditions ok and, and, and it's, it's the same thing it goes vice versa oh, you know telling this ape, Oh you know, put this amount of red things in this container and this it's like that they don't do that in the wild. Like why would you give a orangutan that has hundreds of thousands, millions of years of evolution for stuff in the wild, have them, you know, in captivity for a couple generations and think that they will know that. It's it's completely arbitrary. It doesn't make any sense when talking about intelligence in animals. Um, because that's not, they're not humans. They are close, but they're not humans. And I'm not saying orangutans are smarter than humans. I'm just saying they are smarter than humans with things that they need to be smarter. And that is survival in very harsh conditions that not many humans can do. So determining intelligence in animals is very, very difficult without anthropomorphizing it. Um, but in saying that, orangutans, out of all the apes, are master tool users. They use tools uh, probably better than any of the other apes. Uh, and we know chimpanzees and bonobos are great at using tools, but orangutans are kind of next level. And there's a, th- there's a little saying um, that if you gave a gorilla, a captive gorilla a screwdriver it would probably scratch itself with it. If you gave a captive chimpanzee a screwdriver, it'll probably try to kill you with it. If you gave a captive orangutan a screwdriver, it would unscrew the screws in the cage and escape because they are crafty and I've heard a lot of uh, stories uh, regarding captive orangutans and how good they are at escaping because they'll watch what the keepers do they'll watch and they'll learn and they'll learn routine and then go okay at this time i'll do this or i'll put this there and that will mean i can escape from here and our zoo here perth zoo, for example the orangutans have escaped a bunch of times <laughs> like uh you know there's a giant moat around the enclosure and but after years of watching and learning, they will escape. I mean, you can put a human in a cage like that and they wouldn't know how to escape. I mean, they don't have the physical capabilities that orangutans have with climbing and things like that. Um, but still, orangutans are very, very clever and very, very crafty apes. Um, and they are absolutely amazing apes and that's why I love them so much. And... In saying that, orangutan. What do you think orangutan means? Some of you will get it, some of you won't. Uh, But I know a lot of you will be under the impression that orangutan has something to do with their orange fur, right, when it actually doesn't. Orangutan comes from the Malay words, orang meaning person, man, and hutan, meaning forest. And that is kind of interchangeable throughout Indonesia as well, because it's it's Bahasa. They're very uh, it's basically the same language. Uh, so orang man, hutan forest, forest man, forest person. And I think the Dutch kind of bastardized it a little bit and changed it, uh, where they didn't include the hutan, the h in hutan, and um, orang, you know basically stayed the same uh, but I've, I've got a little pet peeve when it comes to orangutans I hear so many people say orang uh, orangutang tang at the end, the g in the end uh, I mean you wouldn't be incorrect in saying that because when the orangutan was first described they did include that g on the end, orangutan because it was mispronounced uh, when they were describing the orangutan Uh but still, we know better now. So it's orangutan rather than orangutan. Every time I hear people say, I've heard uh, people that um, actually work with orangutans saying it orangutan, and I'm like, oh come on, it's how not- you say it, man. Uh, so yeah, that's a little uh, little pet peeve of mine. But hey, you can say it if you want to. <laughs> Uh, What else about orangutans are pretty bloody cool? There's probably some. Oh, yeah. Uh, Here's one. So when the Dutch first uh, came to... I believe it was Sumatra. um, The locals were talking about orangutans to them. And they also called people that live in the forest orangutan because it was just forest person. Uh, But they also called orangutans forest people. But when uh, in Java and places like that, they didn't. They or not Java, sorry, um, Sumatra, they didn't. But in Borneo, they did. So it was kind of like, is, are you talking about the person or the ape? But in, I think, Sumatra, they didn't. It was specifically used for the ape, uh, forest person. But when they were tell, telling the Dutch about it, they told the Dutch that the orangutans talked, used language. Not a very good language, but they could speak. Um whether or not that's, like, folklore sort of blended in and or, or what, or they were, like, mistaking some of the orangutans' calls for talking, which it is a form of communication, but it's certainly not a language. Uh, yeah, who knows? But it was pretty interesting. Um, and orangutans make a whole variety of calls. They do, like, a, a kissing, like... like sound, and then they do their long calls. I, think, I can't replicate it, but... Um, yeah, there are de- certainly different vocalizations with orangutans, but certainly not a spoken language. So I don't know. I think the uh, locals are just trolling the uh, the Dutch. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that concludes this episode. Thirty-five minutes of talking non-stop about orangutans. Um, yeah, I hope you learned something. It's a Panthoot podcast. Panthoot uh, for anyone that hasn't listened to any of the other panthoot podcast episodes, a panthoot is a noise that chimpanzees make when they do their like their typical chimpanzee noise, like uh, And they do that, you know, when they're excited and things like that. So that's what a panthoot is. Uh, Jane Goodall can do a ripper one. Uh, me not so much. But um so I named uh, my primate episodes Panthoot Podcast. So when you see that you know it's about a primate um yeah all right so everybody again if you haven't subscribed on any of the uh, platforms that you're using subscribe give us a rating and if you haven't grabbed a pouch or a t-shirt head over to biothorn.com.au and uh get yourself a pouch they're still on sale they are still on sale 10 bucks off so uh yeah, grab yourself one. I'm going to be wearing mine in an Africa. You better bloody believe it. And I'll see you next week on another episode of Thorn's Jungle. Have a good week, everyone.